from the Heritage Foundation. I'm Tim Desher, and this is Heritage Explains. It's one of his favorite topics to talk about on the stump, at press conferences, and in the Oval Office. You may have seen this hilarious compilation on HuffPo. China. 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 I have to have my China. China. China because China. 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 China now. China. China. You know... China. I know China very well. China, 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 China. Now that's just 20 seconds of it. The entire video goes for over three minutes. China was one of the main issues that brought President Trump into politics. And it has continued to dominate much of his international dealings. Since he took office in 2017, President Trump has led the U.S. into an all-out trade war with China. He's imposed additional tariffs on them, and in response, they've imposed additional tariffs on us. The president would say these tariffs are necessary because it's the only thing that will bring China to the negotiating table to make a better deal. So late last month, the world held its breath at the G20 summit as President Trump met with the leader of China, President Xi Jinping, to talk about making a trade deal. While no deal was reached, the president was optimistic. We will be continuing to negotiate, and I promise that uh, for at least the time being, we're not going to be lifting tariffs on China. Given the complexity of this issue, a lot of questions still remain. Will the tariffs ever be lifted? What does it mean for average Americans? What does Trump mean when he says he wants a deal with China, and what would that look like? Or how about, what would happen if we didn't reach a deal with China and President Trump wasn't re-elected? Riley Walters is a research fellow in the Asian Studies Center here at the Heritage Foundation. This week, he explains. Riley, thank you so much for joining us on Explains. It's your first time here, so we'll be nice to you. Hey. <laughs> Well, we've been hearing uh, a lot about China since President Trump came down the escalator at Trump Tower and announced he was going to run for president. And we haven't really focused much specifically on China here on the podcast. So I wanted to kind of start from the beginning with this whole trade war. Many would say that... um, Trump started the trade war because he said, we're going to go after China for doing a bunch of stuff to us, um, may, you know, saying things like manipulating currency or stealing our intellectual property. Um, that justifies him uh, threatening and then actually uh, slapping tariffs on them. And so a lot of people would say, well, he's justified in that. What say you in terms of being justified in putting tariffs on and, 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 and where did this trade war start and where should it end? The complaints that he has are, are real. Uh, the question is, I think, at the end of the day, do the the means justify the ends, right? And so what I particularly have a problem with is the way that the administration has been approaching China 
when it comes to engaging on them on economic issues. And so right now, the administration's approach is to apply tariffs on the goods that Americans buy from China. Uh, and so what this means and what we've seen is over the last year, uh, Americans who uh, roughly $250 billion worth of goods that Americans buy from China has have increased with a tariff. Uh, this is a tax on imports to the to the rate of an additional 25%. So whatever rate that they already had on them has seen an additional 25% increase. What kind of goods are, are being slapped with tariffs right now? Right now, uh, these are intermediate goods. Uh, these are industrial goods. So really goods mostly that companies are buying. The administration, though, has begun the process to apply an additional 25% tariff on a separate 300 billion worth of goods. And those are consumer goods. Those are goods that you would buy directly from the market. Um, those are goods that you would immediately see the increase of cost from. So but those are goods at Walmart that those you are normally would Walmart, buy cheaper. Yeah, but yeah, Walmart, Home Depot, Ikea, or anything. And so these, luckily though, um, at, at the recent meeting between President Trump and President Xi at the G20 in Osaka, Japan, uh, they agreed to uh, another trade truce. They agreed to not levy any of those new tariffs. So at least in the interim, it's good news for American consumers. And just taking a quick step aside from my conversation with Riley, I just wanted to put in a quick plug uh, for uh, another Heritage podcast that we love. It's called SCOTUS 101. And basically, it breaks down what's happening at the Supreme Court, what the justices are up to, and and, and all the different little nuances that you might miss uh, because it's not so covered in the uh, mainstream media. And, and for me personally, this is the podcast that I wish existed back when I was in law school. It provides so much context, and it gives you such a great insider look at what's happening. So uh, really do challenge you to go check it out again. That's SCOTUS 101, and you can find that in the podcast app. It's SCOTUS 101. Okay, back to our discussion with Riley. You mentioned in your piece, and I'm going to link to this, um, you say that there's two things playing here. There's politics and there's economics. Can you just differentiate between those two um, and and give us a sense for where those come to play and are they going to intersect at any point? Looking at the economics, you know, the way that the administration is uh, applying tariffs, this has a potential negative impact on U.S. business interests domestically and actually to a certain degree uh, internationally because uh, the ability for manufacturers and consumers to uh, import goods to, into the United States um, at a cheaper price allows us to stay internationally competitive when we re-export those products. Um, same thing with what we're seeing, for example, for farmers in their ability to maintain market access in China. Uh, because China has reciprocated against our tariffs with their own tariffs, um, American exporters, uh, American farmers in particular, have seen you know an increased price in China, meaning Chinese consumers are looking for alternative sources, cheaper sources, for example, soybeans. Um, Brazil happens to be a, a pretty big exporter of soybeans. And so uh, for those commodities, it's pretty easy to find substitutes. For the commodities that we're buying from China, it's a little bit harder to find substitutes. So that's why the price is falling majoritively on American consumers uh, because of the tariffs that we have applied 
on our imports. Um, the politics of this, um, you know, I, I don't want to speak too frankly about the politics, but whatever we come to, I think President Trump will claim it as his deal because at the end of the day, this is his deal. Um, we call it a trade deal. We call it a trade war. You know, these are pretty simple terms, but technically speaking, this is not a trade deal. This is not a free trade agreement that you might see with the United States, Canada, and Mexico. This is not a free trade agreement like you might see with the U.S. and Japan. Um, what this is essentially is an executive agreement between China and the United States, between President Trump and President Xi, between the uh, U.S. Trade Representative Office and the Ministry of Commerce in China. Right? There's no requirement for legislative oversight. So in a free trade agreement, uh, you know, right now, one of the problems we have with USMCA is because the Democrats won't take it up for a vote. Right. And so right. that's that's traditionally the path for a trade agreement with this Section 301, with this executive agreement. There's no congressional oversight whatsoever. So at the end of the day, this is his deal. What if he loses in 2020? Does it all go away? Where does that leave us then if he's if he's playing this game and it takes too long? That's a good question. We we hear a lot of that sort of guessing. Yeah, right. Of course. <laughs> um, and you know, there's there's a few scenarios. Um, I'm actually an optimist. I actually think that we could see a trade deal before the end of the year. So that doesn't really come into play in my scenario. Okay. Um, there are the scenarios. For example, I think even the president has talked about this. Um, talking about uh, uh, presidential candidate Joe Biden. You know, he's I think he's tweeted out before, you know, the Chinese would like to see Joe Biden come into office because Joe Biden would be soft on China. And so they're just waiting out. You know, they're just playing the waiting game. And that that was a, a, a scenario that I think is still real to a certain degree. Um, and of course, there's also the fact that, you know, we could have a deal and then it could just completely fall apart within six months or by the end of the presidential election. I think, though, uh, there are. It is important to remember that, you know, Donald Trump isn't the only one in Washington and the just atmosphere around China, whether it's on strategic issues or human rights or any of those things um, has become has become pretty thick on China. Right. So everyone is watching China. Everyone wants to be tough on China to a certain degree. This is this is thanks to President Trump. He has really opened the floodgates to a certain degree. Um the 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 thing that I'm worried about is I just hope that you know the levees haven't broken right <laughs> we don't we don't want to be too tough I think I think we want to be resolved in our principles um, we want to maintain our laws make sure that we are implementing our laws but at the same time referring to our principles of a uh, free and fair uh, trading system a free and fair Indo-Pacific. I was reading an article last week that said China's economy is way worse than they're leading on. And that it's it's actually being harmed tremendously from the, uh, well, they're saying from the tariffs, and I'm sure there's so many other factors as to yeah. why that is. Oh, yeah. But are you are you seeing that too? I mean, are we bringing China to a point of of uh, of economic calamity? The trade war that we are having uh, is is negatively affecting both of our economies, but almost to a degree where it's unnoticeable, mm -hmm. right? So the U.S. economy is strong right now. And we're not seeing these effects because at the end of the day, trade with China only makes up about 3% of our GDP. It, it's the same thing, too, in China, actually. Uh, trade with the United States only makes up about 3% of China's GDP. The United States and China are both majoritively domestically driven when it comes to their economic growth. 
what we're seeing in China mostly is just the effects of years of state intervention, uh, bad demographic policies, uh, and just general uh, downward trend in macroeconomics. Um, so when it comes to just, just kind of give you an overview of uh, China's economy, uh, they're approaching what's called the middle income trap, which is once countries reach a certain level of income, um, they tend to stagnate. So they won't grow as fast anymore. And we've been seeing this for the past several years, I mean, longer than several years, decades almost. Uh, China's economy is slowing. It's going to continue to slow. This has implications for not just their their consumerism, but investment. And so just the overall general trend in China is it's it's decreasing. And so at the end of the day, you think, how much do the tariffs have to play into this? Uh, I, I'm sure they do. They certainly do. But to a degree of... I don't know. Uh, if, if I had to put it percentage-wise, right. 10%, 5%. <laughs> All right, so Riley, what does a good deal uh, for President Trump look like? Well, uh, you know, I think what he really wants at the end of the day are structural reforms in China. So addressing the real concerns that we have in China and not just things like increased agricultural purchases. At the end of the day, if, if that's a part of the agreement, um, that might be good for him politically. I'm, I am a little concerned about how that affects our uh, markets, um, specifically the, the pricing mechanism that goes into the international uh, markets. But I think being able to address those structural reforms is what he wants and is a good deal. What about for China? What is a good deal for them in this situation? Um, I think for China, a, a big concern for them is just really stability. I mean, the the thing when it comes to um, the Chinese Communist Party, the most important thing for them is stability. That's why you see economic numbers always come out with a pretty stable trend. And it that's indicative of, in anywhere in their political economy. And it's the same thing, I think, when it comes to U.S.-China uh, relations, whether it's economic or strategic. Okay, and how about for us? Obviously, we've got these tariffs that we can't, you know, we can't stand these tariffs, these, these this tax on on everyday working Americans. So obviously, that has to be a part yeah. of it. What 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 does our ideal deal look like? That I think that is the most important thing. It's it's removing the cost to the Americans who are caught in the crossfire here. Um, we don't want to punish people who are just innocent bystanders. You know, the American consumers and businesses who are having to eat these costs. Uh, you know, um, other things though. You know, getting the structural reforms that Donald Trump is pushing for is important. But at the end of the day, we have to also recognize that this is more that that is more important for U.S. companies operating in China, not U.S. companies in America. Has the president said um, if we get all of the structural reforms we want, the tariffs will be gone? Or do you think that those are here to stay? Uh, there are mixed signals okay. on that. Um, I think uh, there's the potential that we could see some tariffs remain, actually. Um the president has also indicated that he likes tariffs. He likes collecting revenue. And honestly, if you look at the uh, monthly reports from the Department of the Treasury, the United States collects uh, roughly over uh, $5 billion a month in tariff duties from Americans. Wow. Um, and that's just going to increase because we, we recently saw an increase in the tariff rate on the goods that Americans buy from China. So that, that will increase. That means... Uh, essentially, that is a tax on Americans, and it's just transfer of wealth from Americans to the Treasury Department. Um, 
So at the end of the day, we want to see those removed um, and other structural reforms too. Riley, this is a, a complex issue, and you're you're doing incredible work, uh, getting up early, going on uh, cable news, and all over the place. And so we we thank you for for doing that. And we thank you for coming in today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that's it for this week's episode of Heritage Explains. You can find Riley's recent work on China in our show notes and the rest of his great work at heritage.org. If you like this podcast. Maybe you have a request on a topic that you'd like to hear more on. Please shoot us an email at managing editor at heritage dot org. That's managing editor at heritage dot org. We love hearing from you, and we do take your suggestions. We'll see you again next week with another explainer. Heritage Explains is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by Thalia Rampersad.